Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, and it can be found beginning on page 6 of the bulletin, and I'll be reading from the Common English Bible version, which is what is printed in the bulletin. A legal expert stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you interpret it? He responded, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as well. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the legal expert wanted to prove that he was right, so he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He encountered thieves who stripped him naked, beat him up, and left him near death. Now it just so happened that a priest was also going down the same road. When he saw the injured man, he crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. Likewise, a Levite came by that spot, saw the injured man, and crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. A Samaritan, who was on a journey, came to where the man was, but when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. The Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds, tending them with oil and wine. Then he placed the wounded man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he he took two full days' worth of wages and gave them to the innkeeper, He said, take care of him, and when I return, I will pay you back for any additional cost. What do you think? Which one of these three was a neighbor to the man who encountered thieves? Then the legal expert said, the one who demonstrated mercy toward him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Grace, for your beautiful music this morning, and also thank you, Jack, for reading our scriptures. So after four weeks of Pastor Jim's sermon series entitled God's Good Gifts about human sexuality and the competing approaches to solving this difficult and pertinent issue of equality and membership, ordination and marriage for all persons and orientations within the United Methodist Church and ultimately here at St. John's, I decided to lighten the mood this morning and preach on loneliness. Okay, that was Jim's joke. He told me to say that. But here's what I came up with this morning. So choir, I hardly ever get to see you guys back there. I'm going to need your help, okay? And then congregation, I'm going to need your help. This is going to get interactive this morning. And I know you can do it because the first service did it, okay? Okay, so I'm going to have you guys do this. If you feel comfortable, can you do this? Bum, 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 bum. Choir, start us off. Okay, congregation, I'll cut you off, okay, when I need to. Congregation? One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Two could be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number since the number one. Yeah. Right. You guys remember that song? Three Dog Night. 60s, 70s, rock band. 
that song really kicked off their career. I mean, they started charting the, the hits. Their popularity came from that song. One is the loneliest number. But it was a remake. It was actually written and recorded by a fellow named Harry Nilsson. And the story goes that he wrote this song. He was calling somebody. And all he got was the busy signal. Bum, 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 bum. Now, for those of you who have only lived on cell phones, you don't get that that often, but <laughs> there was a time when, you know, and I was talking to my husband about this last night. Remember getting the busy signal? He wrote that entire song while he was on the phone, listening to a busy signal. And that's where that bump, bump, bump comes from. So I thought that was kind of a cool story about that song. But what I really like is the lyrics. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number since the number one. Okay, if one is bad in terms of loneliness, then how can two be just as bad? I'll answer my own question and tell you. I think it's because loneliness as a human condition is complicated. It's complex and it's far from being one-dimensional. Being alone, if you take it at its most simplistic definition, is being separated from others, isolated, or exclusive of anyone or anything else. They also did have a uh, definition for alone that we aren't using today. It's meaning incomparable or unique. Like, she is alone in her fondness of pickle and potato chip sandwiches. We're not using that definition. But I want to challenge Merriam-Webster here a little bit for a second. I think being alone is more intricate than their description. And here's what I mean. Two different scenarios. Why, oh why, am I here all alone without another living being to comfort me? Have you ever said that? But then again... How many times have you ever said, or maybe politely thought to yourself, why, oh why, please don't leave me alone with him? Alone. Okay, when you're physically alone, we get that. You're cut off from the world, from people and community and social situations, alone. Like really alone. But then there's this other phenomenon when you can be with another person. Or you can be around a lot of people and experience loneliness. You can have this even when you're engaging or participating in a relationship. Let me give you an example of what I mean. I know a guy named Jay, and he has a girlfriend. They've been dating for several years. The relationship has had its ups and downs, sometimes fraught with more challenges than positive aspects. Jay remains in this relationship, and despite years of this nagging sense that things just aren't working, he stays. And when I asked him, why don't you just leave? He's young. I said, you're not married. You're not engaged to this person. The relationship isn't functioning, and you're visibly unhappy. And this is what he told me. He said, you know, I used to think that the worst thing in the world was to be alone, and that's why I never broke up with her. But then I realized, even when I am with her, I'm alone. I'm really alone. And that's the hardest part. And there's a lot of painful truth in what Jace had to say to me that day. 
and it stuck with me. Loneliness is pervasive. It's cruel, and it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care if you've been married for 40 years, have a full career, children, friends, family, and an active social life. Loneliness doesn't just strike the grieving, those experiencing divorce or a failed relationship, loss or career, loss of a career or social group. You know, loneliness, it's really unwelcome. It's one of those uninvited visitors that shows up and can just stick around for a season. And we never know how long that might be. So right now, let's just acknowledge that the cost of loneliness is borne by more than just the obvious examples of the person who fits that alone definition, that solitary person. Rather, loneliness is a condition. A contemporary and common definition of loneliness is as follows. Loneliness is a complex and usually unpleasant emotional response to isolation. Loneliness typically includes anxious feelings about a lack of connection or communication with other beings, both in the present and extending into the future. As such, loneliness can be felt even when surrounded by other people. The causes of loneliness are varied and include social, mental, emotional, or even physical factors. The first objective of the sermon this morning was for us as a community of faith to be open to confronting and acknowledging what loneliness is and the uncomfortable reality of its pervasiveness. Please be very aware that there are folks sitting among us this morning who are suffering from the effects of loneliness. You work with them. They attend school with you. They live on your block, your apartment complex. They wait on you in restaurants, provide you with professional services. They are your friends and families, and yet they are strangers. They are also the folks you worship with. The cost of loneliness is high, for those who live with it. Some can't help but show the wounds of their loneliness as they are exposed by their inescapable circumstances. Others are able to camouflage it a little better, but suffer no less. I could go on and on about the effects of loneliness and its impact on mental, physical, and emotional health, but that kind of seems like an obvious point to us this morning. Rather, I desire to discuss the biblical implications and assurances granted to us and the response and responsibilities we as Christians have to the lonely. And that's where our scriptures come into play today. Who should we show mercy towards? Who should we engage with? Who requires our help? Who needs our love? Who is our neighbor? Now, Jesus provided the answer to all these questions in the parable of the Good Samaritan. I mean, come on, we know this story, right? I mean, you've heard this like 50 or 60 times in your life. And I was just thinking, we teach this down in Sunday school. Three, four-year-old kids hear about the Good Samaritan. So you guys know this. We've heard this story preached from just about every angle that it possibly uh, could be. Putting ourselves in the shoes of... That's sort of the technique. Have you put yourself in the shoes of the thief or the priest or the Levite? 
Perhaps the poor beaten man on the side of the road. Or perhaps are you in the shoes of the innkeeper? And finally, the good Samaritan. But today we revisit this story to find that it speaks to us today about our topic of loneliness. The cost of loneliness and how close we want to get to another person's ache. To step into their isolation and hurt and be a presence in the midst of their pain. Professor and commentator Caroline Lewis from the Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota had this to say. She said, what if the Samaritan was good? Did you catch that? You know, in the scriptures, he's never called the good Samaritan, is he? It's just the Samaritan. So she poses this question. What if the Samaritan was good because he simply made the choice to come near the almost deceased man in the ditch? To approach him. To decrease the distance between him and the man clearly in need of help. She writes, what if eternal life might also be known here and now in this place, in nearness and not remoteness, in proximity, not reserve, in deciding to be closer and not looking for ways to push away. She goes on to say, we expend a lot of our energy in our lives toward decided detachment, disengagement, and disenfranchisement. Sometimes these decisions are very much justified for our safety, our self-preservation, and our self-care, but other times our distance is decided by our determination not to change, our resistance to intimacy, our rejection of those persons that might actually expose who we truly are. Who is my neighbor? Means, according to Jesus, a commitment to coming near. Your neighbor's not just the person living next door in a house that you never have to enter, in which you might never be invited, to whom you never have to speak. Your neighbor is not one who happens to be convenient for you to help. Your neighbors are not those whom you can keep in their place. Your neighbor is not the one who meets the qualifications of your company. She says, your neighbor is someone who, without a doubt, is experiencing pain, struggles, challenges, and sorrow, and yet to whom you draw near. Your neighbor is someone who clearly has needs, and you decide, I will help you. Your neighbor is someone who might even resist your assistance, but you insist on it anyways. Now, choir, I don't usually like to take a big chunk of commentary and read it like that, but when someone says it good... I'll tell it. I'll say it. I think she just said that beautifully. It's about this closeness. What are we going to do with it? You know, I think we find ourselves with something of a challenge this morning, something difficult to wrestle with. At what cost will we reach out? How close will we get to the lonely? How far and how much will we expend to cross the road? How willing are we to approach, to see, to do the heavy lifting and carry the burden of someone in need of compassion and companionship? Are we, ba- are we willing to bandage the wounds or will we just simply pass on by? 
Now, if you think I'm laying it on pretty thick up here, that I'm preaching from a point of enlightened perspective, you would be mistaken. I preach what I think we all need to hear, and that includes me. Trust me, I love helping with the missions and ministries here at St. John's. One of my favorite is the neighbor-to-neighbor ministry, where we feed folks living in poverty and the homeless at the Mary Kelly Center here in Kansas City, Missouri. And I'm passionate about food, insecurity issues, and alleviating hunger in our metro. I like preparing the food. I enjoy serving the food. I smile at the folks that walk by and go through the line and get their plate of food, and I I make small talk. I go, oh, look what we have. We got fried chicken for you guys today. And I'll say stuff like, oh, look at the sunshine. Isn't it wonderful? And, oh, I like your royal shirt. But it's hard, really hard for me to cross that counter and go sit next to someone who's sitting alone, who has that look of weary and worry and loneliness stamped all over their face. I have to get close to their loneliness. Now, thank goodness Jesus did not use Allie Williams as an example in the Good Samaritan story, because it would be written something like this. There was a woman going down the road, saw the injured man on the other side of the road, and she nervously left a freshly baked casserole by his side and scurried along. (laughs) As she had many other commitments to attend to that day. (sighs) Thank you, Jesus, for not putting me in there. Okay, I'm so glad you laughed because I wrote, try to infuse a little humor in here at this point. I just sort of want to acknowledge on my behalf and collectively that this is hard. This is something I think we all struggle with. We could do a little better job at. I mean, we're trying, but maybe we're not there yet. And I think, what is the hang-up? I mean, what really keeps us from engaging from getting close enough to really make an impact in someone's life. And I think it's because it's uncomfortable. You know, it's we don't like that feeling. I had a gentleman after the first service said, he goes, it's almost like you feel like it's contagious. I don't want to get too near because I don't want it either. And I think he's right. We would go in and help, but we don't want to go alone either, do we? The point is, we don't have to. When it comes to loneliness and this this sense that I don't want to do this alone, we are given assurance after assurance after assurance. From the Old Testament in Isaiah, For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. And from the New Testament in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. It is clear that God desires for us to be in relationship with him, 
to feel God's love in the most difficult and dire situations and to not have the sense that we are alone or to reside in a state of loneliness. Jesus made this declaration to his disciples and for all of us. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. But among those assurances, we, the followers of Christ, are also given a task, a responsibility to one another to show mercy to our neighbors, no matter how we find them. We heard that today in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Or how about the wisdom in Ecclesiastes, chapter 4? Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. Don't leave each other alone. Is loneliness a reality? Yes. It exists, and it has a very real and painful consequence for those who are dealing with it. Furthermore, it requires a measure of sacrifice from us when we are faced with seeing it in someone's eyes. If we are to take Jesus' words seriously, if we are to live our lives abundantly and with compassion, we have to cross the road. We have to do a little more. We have to be the one who engages, listens, offers, accepts, tries and tries again when we see the lonely on the other side of the road. Now, I'm not sure where you are on the road today. If you are the wounded, stalled and hurting on the side of the road, or you're just traveling along your way. Either way, this sermon is for you. If you're hurting, please know you are not alone. Whether it be God's divine providence or the healing touch or listening ear of a friend sent to you, you are not alone. If you are in the position to show mercy, be not afraid. You are not alone either. Go forth and demonstrate humanity and compassion, for you are doing the work you were created to do. Let the Holy Spirit guide you so you can come near the hurting, the lonely, that you may do it freely, that you may heal the wounds of the lonely, of your neighbors. And for a moment, don't calculate the cost. Just go forth and do likewise. Would you join me in prayer? Dear God, today we face something that is uncomfortable and unavoidable, the very real human experience of loneliness. We know that as humans living in a very human world, we are not exempt from times and situations that evoke loneliness, and we acknowledge it as a pervasive and complex issue. But God, we also know how deeply and profoundly you desire for us to know your love and to recognize that you will never leave us alone. Lord, please grant us the courage to reach out and come near the lonely in our midst. Help us to know the right words to say, or to know when to just be a calm and steady presence and nothing more. Lord Jesus, let your promises and assurances settle deep within inside of all of us and provoke us to approach the lonely with both mercy and compassion.